welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 22nd of January 2012, entitled, When Little Becomes Much, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7. to Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Join with me as we look into the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we read these first seven verses this evening. 2 Kings Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. He says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went forth from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. It came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, as we have this glorious privilege, help us, Lord, not to waste our time together here this evening. But Lord, now as we have this time together to look into your word, we pray that by the power of your spirit that you would take and speak to our hearts, help our hearts to be open and receptive to that which you have for us this evening. And help this preacher, Lord, that his flesh and himself would be out of the way and that through this unworthy vessel, Lord, that you might take and use us by your grace. Lord, that the words would be spoken that you would have spoken here this evening under the power of your spirit for your glory and your honor alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Sometimes it's easier to, to look at others, to see how faith worked for them. And, of course, one of those great men of faith, and I encourage you, if you haven't before, to read the biographies of some of these great men, and one that had a tremendous ministry right here in Bristol by the name of George Muller. And, of course, George Muller was a very unique individual as he ran those orphanages and all those, and he trusted God, but he was one that didn't believe that God would have him to let man know what he needed, but that he would just go directly to God himself. And boy, just to read, and how God supplied not just for him, but for all of those orphans that they were taking care of down there, it's amazing, and it'll help you. George Muller said this, he says, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. 
There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. You see, that's where we don't feel comfortable a lot of times. The reality, when you stop and think about what he's saying, when we get to the point to where we say, it's impossible, there's nothing that I can do, there's no way that I can do this, only then can faith really begin to work because as long as it's within the possibilities of us doing something about it, then God doesn't need to. And so many times we are such a blessed people in our lives that we're able to just take care of these problems ourselves. It's within the possibilities of what we can do. But I'm challenging you this evening to look at that point that when you get to the point that maybe it is impossible for you, but when it becomes impossible for you, nothing is impossible for God. Only then can it really move into that realm of being able to do that which is beyond you. We find that during, I guess it was uh, Hudson Taylor's ministry when he was with the China Inland Ministry, uh, the China Inland Missions, that he wrote a note to his wife explaining to her their financial situation. And he began the note by saying, we have 25 cents. We have 25 cents. That was the extent of all of their finances. But then following that, in big letters, and all the promises of God. <laughs> we only got 25 cents in the bank. but We've got all the promises of God. I'm saying as we have seen before, that it's during those times when there really genuinely seems to be no possibilities that if we'll just trust God. You heard me tell the story one time of the head of the great business conglomerate, General Motors, and the president at that time, the uh, CEO or whatever that he was called, uh, he was calling all of his best people into the room because they had some, some real challenges. And apparently they used to have these meetings, and when they got into a real a problem area, then they would bring them all together to try to get all their ideas. This was the days before iPads and iPhones and uh, modern technology. Uh, does anybody ever remember what a slide rule is? <laughs> uh, before calculators, uh, we used to use slide rules in school. And, uh, and at that time, this CEO said that when they came into the classroom, uh, that uh, uh, they were meeting there in this meeting room to discuss the problems and how they could resolve them. said he had a big sign up on the door, no slide rules allowed. Uh, that was their greatest technology. I guess today it'd be no iPads or whatever allowed, no computers allowed. Uh, but then he went on to explain why. He said, because if they've got all of man's wisdom there before them, then just as sure as somebody comes up with a great idea, somebody else is going to be using their technology, but you can't do that but that's not possible. And the simple truth is, is that that is the way with most of us is that we try to figure out if it can be done, if it's within our possibilities. Notice the account here in scripture though. I want you to see, first of all, in, in, in verse one, I want you to see the reality of the need. I mean, now therefore 
There cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets of Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Look at the reality here of the reality of her need. This, her husband was, had died. He had been a man of God. He had served God. He had done what was right with his life. You know the life my husband lived. You know that he lived for God. You know that he was a servant of God. But now he's gone. And apparently he hadn't been able to leave behind any preparations for his wife and children's when he parted. We think we're in financial tights. I want you to look at the reality of this need. This woman was in such financial straits that she owed all of these debts. She had nothing to pay them. And if you look up that word bond, they were getting ready to take her sons away to be slaves, to work off the debt that was left owing by her husband. Her bank account wasn't just low, folks. She was at a point that she was about to see her own kids have to be put into slavery in order to pay off the debt. What is your need today? What is it in your life? that maybe has, has, has got you so stressed out that you're trying to think, boy, I can't handle this. There is nothing that I can do about it. What do I do with it? Well, I want you to know that needs can be real. And the need that we're reading about here in this passage, it was very real. It was very tangible, and it was financial, like is one of the, the problems that most of us seem to have to deal with so much in this life. This woman was in serious condition. Now, she had that big need. I mean, that's a pretty big, a pretty big deal. When your debt is so much and you got nothing to meet it that your kids are about ready to be hauled off into slavery. Now, notice verse 2. You see not only the reality of the need, but notice the resources that she had available. It says, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? What do you want me to do? And then he asked her a very pertinent question. I think one that all of this really hinges on. He asked her, what hast thou in the house? What do you want me to do? First thing you've got to answer is, what do you have? What do you have? What hast thou in the house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. So now, you not only see the reality of this huge need, this financial need that was upon her in such a way that she was about to see her kids hauled off and put into slavery, but when she goes to the man of God and she wants some help, the first thing he turns back around and says, okay, what do you want me to do? First of all, what do you have? What do you have to meet this need with? She says, I literally have nothing in my house save this little pot of oil. <laughs> That's it. That's all she had. That was the resources that she had. There was absolutely, positively, I mean, who in their right mind? There's absolutely nothing that makes sense about being able to meet the big need that she had with the resources that she had in that little pot of oil. But that was all that she had. And keep that in mind. What do you have? I don't have much. All I've got is this. It might be in the financial realm. It might be in the spiritual realm. 
Maybe God is wanting you to do something. Maybe he's been trying to, to get your attention. Maybe you've been focusing upon something else. Maybe you're saying, well, you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not prepared for that. I don't have the ability for that. Simple truth is, what do you have? What do you have? You know, the simple thing that we see here in Scripture is that the first thing that she had to be willing to do was take account of what she had. She was going to somebody else. She was going to the man of God. She needed some help, but she had to take inventory of what she had. But notice verse 3 and 4. We see the remedy that is given to her from God. Then he said, go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Now notice, notice, God has the remedy here. Now, it may not make sense. Matter of fact, it makes absolutely no sense. What's he saying? Okay, this need is phenomenal. I mean, we're getting ready to see some serious repercussions from it. The resources are negligible. They're, they're, they're nothing to meet that big need with. God says this, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your neighbors, and I want you to borrow some empty vessels, and I want you to bring those empty vessels back to your house. Now, notice he tells them right there, don't just get a few. He didn't give her any specific number. He said, go and get all these empty vessels, bring them back, bring them to your house, shut the door. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shall pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to picture a minute if you were there, and this is what God was telling you to do. You've, you've got this huge mountain of a problem, and you got nothing to meet it with. And here the message is coming to you from God as well. I want you to go get these empty vessels and I want you to bring them into your house and shut yourself in there and then I want you to take that little nothing that you've got and I want you to fill up all those vessels with it. If God was using me to tell you that, you'd probably think I was ready for one of those white jackets that you can't move in once you get inside of it. It doesn't make any sense, does it? God said, go, get these vessels. Don't just get a few, Steve. Don't just get a few. What he's really testing there is her faith. How many is she going to trust him for? <laughs> she went. They got them. She brought them into the house. She did exactly what he said. Notice the recourse that's taken in verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. Maybe it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but this is what God said to do. This is what God's telling me to do. Trust him. Maybe to the natural eye it doesn't make sense. I got all these empty vessels. Now he's told me to take this little container and to start pouring, and to start pouring. And you see, that's what she does. And what were the results? Notice what it says. And it came to pass 
when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Here she is. Here she is. I mean, this phenomenal need, she's got very little to meet it with. She goes to get instructions from God. God gives her those instructions. And boy, with the natural eye, they don't make any sense at all. But she does what God tells her to do. She does what God says. She comes back, and her sons have went and bought. And again, it doesn't tell us how many. I want you to picture this old lady. She's there. Her husband's dead. She's got her two sons. They went borrowing all these vessels they could from their neighbors, and they've brought them all in, and they've got them in the house, and they've shut themselves in there. She takes that little pot of oil. Well, God said to fill it up. She starts pouring, and it just keeps pouring. And it keeps pouring. And all of a sudden, you know, she's got this little pot, but this vessel's bigger, and all of a sudden that vessel's full, and she goes to the next one. That little pot of oil, it just keeps pouring, and it keeps pouring. And then you imagine she's, she's going all around the room. I don't know how many vessels were there, but she went around, and suddenly she was at the last one. She was still pouring out that oil. It still wasn't finishing. And all of a sudden she says, Quick, son, bring me another vessel. There's not any more vessels, Mom. That's all we got. Then the oil stayed. That was the extent of their faith. <laughs> you know what? I'm just foolish enough to believe that if her faith had been big enough, that house had been big enough and that it had enough neighbors, that that little pot of oil still wouldn't have quit running even today. He said, not a few. How much are you going to trust God for? Will you trust God to meet it all? She went. She did what God told her to do with what she had. It looked foolish to the natural eye. But boy, I can just imagine the excitement. Then she goes back to the man of God. And she explains to him what had happened. Then, verse 7, she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil. Pay thy debt and live, thou and thy children, of the rest. <laughs> he didn't just meet her immediate need with what she had. He met the immediate need and everything else she was going to need as well. <laughs> now, you started out with that little pot of oil. That little with God has become much. Enough that your immediate problem is sorted. It's taken care of. And not only that, God's met all your future needs as well. Folks, I'm not trying to be super spiritual with you. I'm saying that's God. And the reality is, is that today, you know, we've, we've got the same promises of God. God has promised us He's promised us never to leave us nor forsake us. He's, to prom he's promised to meet all of our needs, not with the riches of this world, but his riches in Christ Jesus, praise God. 
those limitless riches that are there. He's promised to meet your need. Sometimes you might be facing a huge mountain and it may be impossible and that's okay because a lot of things in life are impossible and they need to be impossible and you need to recognize that they're impossible. You need to recognize that some things only God can do. And when you go asking for help, the first thing you need to look at is what do you have? You know, one songwriter said, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We need to look at what we've got. And the truth is this, maybe our resources may be minimal, but are we willing to do with them what God wants us to do with them? Now, I know I'm not going to charge you any extra for this, but I believe with all my heart, if you're trying to work out your finances and just trying to give God what little bit is left over if you've got some left over. You know, I like the way I've told you before, I, I like the way one of my old pastors put it. You know, there in, in, in Malachi, when he talks about robbing God, <laughs> he says, you know, that there that just prove me, prove me. Try me, test me, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you'll not be able to withstand. He said, you know, it's kind of like here's God. And man, he's wanting to bless your life and he's wanting to pour all these blessings out on you. And he's saying, just prove me, just put me first. Just do what I simply ask you to do. And he says, he's wanting to raise the windows of heaven and pour out all these blessings and you just keep slamming the window back down. <laughs> I'll take care of it myself, God. I'll do it my way. I can't afford to put you first. Put God first. You see, what, what bugs me is when you see God's people. You know, you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't pay enough money into the church to be more spiritual. You can just simply obey God or disobey God with it. And the truth is this. You know, I see all these churches having to put on all these sales and this and that and the other in order to try to pray for God, pay for God's work to do. That's never the way God's work has been paid for. That ought to be what's important to us. Go back into the Old Testament. Look into the New Testament. It's God's people. I'm saying, first of all, put God first with what you do have. But then with whatever you have, whatever it is, are you willing to trust God with it? Are you willing to take whatever you have and do with it as God wants you to do, not yourself. She had no hope, but God was able to take the little that she had and to turn it into much to meet her problem. Find that, again, as was reading and looking through some of the uh, biography, biographies of, of, of bygone people, uh, I found a couple of things that I'll give you this in in closing uh, this evening, which I uh, thought was uh, was was interesting. Um, the following letter it was it was found in a uh, uh, a baking powder, you know, just a it was like a, t a a tin with 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 a lid on it, and it was wired to the handle of an old pump uh, that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across Nevada's Amargosa Desert. 
I don't know how many of you have ever been out in a desert before, but that's quite an awesome thing to be out there and just to see nothing uh, for as far as the eye can see in, in, in every direction. But it had this note on there. It said, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it, and it ought to last at least five years. But the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and cork end up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it, and you'll get all you can hold. Now, if you were out in the middle of a desert, the temptation would be, you know you got this water, and you know you can drink it right now, and you're mighty thirsty. Are you willing to have the faith to use all of that to get the pump going so that you can have limitless water where you can try to just use up what's there? That's a great illustration. Many times we see what we have. And sometimes God has wanted us to maybe use it as a primer because he wants to give us so much more than what we've got. But we're anxious to meet the problem with what we've got right now. We find that the man fell off a cliff. As he fell off the side of the cliff, he was able to grab a hold of a of a tree limb that was sticking on the side there as he fell. As he was hanging there, he started hollering. He said, is, is anybody up there? Suddenly he heard a voice back. The voice came back, said, I'm here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe. But I sure can't hang on much longer here. That's all right. If you really believe. You've got nothing to worry about. I'll save you. Just let go of the branch. There's a brief moment of silence. Suddenly a shout back up, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> and you know, sometimes isn't that the way we feel? When the Lord says, just let go. I'll save you. Isn't there some other answer to this? Isn't there some better way? And I remember reading about a French tightrope walker. You know how the, they walked the tightropes in the circus? And, I mean, he had perfected this now. He could walk that tightrope. And then after he did that, he would go back and he would blindfold himself. And then he'd walk the tightrope completely blindfolded. Then he decided he had to do something else to make it even more exciting. So then he'd walk the tightrope blindfolded, pushing a wheelbarrow across it in front of him. And he would do this, and there was this, this guy in America that heard about this guy in, in, in Paris, and, well, he couldn't really believe this, but he decided to write to him. He thought, man, this is too good not to try. He said, if you're that good, 
He said, I would like for you to come over here. And he said, I'm going to put a tightrope across Niagara Falls. I don't know how many of you ever seen, but that's a pretty awesome sight across there. So we're going to stretch it from the American to the Canadian side. You're going to start on the Canadian side and walk yourself right across to the other side. Well, he comes and they stretch it and he looks at it, but he said, we're going to make it even better. He said, I'm going to go ahead and do it the first time blindfolded. So they blindfold him. And sure enough, he walks that tightrope all the way across Niagara Falls to the other side. The other guy on the other side that had, that had set all this up, he says, you he says, wow, he said, I believe it now. I believe it. I believe it. He said, do you really believe it? He said, I believe it. I believe it. Do you really believe it? I believe it. Do you really believe that I can do it? I believe you. What do I got to prove? I believe you. He said, get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> get in the wheelbarrow. And you know, that's the thing sometimes. It's easy for us to say, I believe you, Lord. I believe you. Trust me. I believe you. But when he says get in the wheelbarrow, let's test that faith. Let's put that faith into action this evening. Folks, number one, I want to encourage you. I know. I know some of these times are hard, but we're still in these tough economic times. We're still some of the most blessed people on the face of the earth. I know, I know, I preach it, but I got to practice it myself. I know, I know sometimes those pressures can build up and I'm, and I'm seeing these mountains and I'm trying to figure out how in the world am I going? Cause I just got no way. You know, the amazing thing is, I mean, there's been some times that those mountains, I mean, it wasn't just the mountain in the way. I felt like the mountain had fell on top of me and, and I was crushed and it was just gone and there, there's no hope. And yet, God was there. God would do something that <laughs> sometimes I, did, I, I hadn't even asked him to do it. <laughs> sure, I'd begged out to him. Never entered my mind that he would answer it the way that he answered it. But I'm saying we're all still here today. The problems can be real. Those mountains can be big. God's showing us. He's showing us a truth here that is still so true today. Trust God. Trust Him as a church. Let's pray and trust God. You see, I don't believe God wants us to do less for the cause of getting the gospel to the ends of the world. And the simple truth is, I know it's not that he's asking us to do what's within the realms of our possibilities. It might be completely out of the realms of our possibilities. That's what Faith Promise Missions is all about. Will you help me pray? God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but boy, you've sure shown us. You've proved yourself over the years. Since we had that first conference 20 years ago, you've proved yourself today. We need you to do what you can do, to do what you alone can do. And in your life, maybe you're struggling. I mean, I know. I know there's people in our church that are, that are out of work and that don't have jobs and that, that have real genuine needs. I know that there's some of you that have got mountains when it comes to, to schoolwork and uni work and all these things, and sometimes those mountains can be so big. But I want to remind you, as a child of God, 
Maybe it is impossible with you. Totally. That's okay. That's okay. We face impossible things sometimes. But it's not impossible with God. What have you got? Will you really genuinely trust God with what you have? It might be little, but he can make it much. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, for this account in Scripture that, Lord, certainly meant a lot to this preacher at a time in his life when he needed it. Lord, I know that now that as individuals, as a church, that there, there, there are things, Lord, that, that sometimes are just beyond us. They're real. These needs are real. And our resources can be so minimal. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take what we have, to be honest with you with it, to genuinely give you our all, to let you do what you alone can do. Help us to trust you. Help us not just to say, I believe, but help us be willing to get in the wheelbarrow, to take that step of faith, to do that which you just sometimes to let go, to trust you to do what you said you'll do. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 